0: We're uh, back in Acts again today, and so if you do have your Bible with you, you can flip open there, um, Acts chapter 9, but first we'll back up to Acts chapter 8, because that's where our, our story for today starts, and so Acts chapter, Acts chapter 8, and so you remember um, the church had been gathered in Jerusalem, and then... Stephen the first martyr right he was stoned and from that point the the church it expanded outside of Jerusalem There was some persecution and because of that persecution then um, Christians just they started they started leaving leaving uh, Jerusalem and At the beginning of at the beginning of chapter 8 we get uh, um, This is referring to remember Stephen's execution has just occurred his his stoning has just occurred and Saul I just pray that you would open your word today, that you would proclaim the things that you want to proclaim to your people, that you would teach us the things that you would teach us, and and Lord, that your word would just, your word would be alive. We praise things in Jesus' name, amen. So so Saul, right, I might call him Paul by mistake because later on his name is changed to Paul, but here we have Saul, and he's this uh, this guy that's persecuting the Christians. And so at the beginning of chapter eight here, um, we see that Saul approved of Stephen's execution, and, and then right after, right after this little bit about Saul, we get into the, the story that we talked uh, about a few weeks ago um, where Philip, another one of the Christians, heads up to Samaria, up north to Samaria, and proclaims Christ there, and it's super exciting. This uh, um, Simon the Sorcerer, Simon the Magician, becomes a Christian, and, and that's awesome. And then we get to the, um, to the end of chapter eight, and there's this story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So what happened after Philip had, had told people in Samaria about Jesus, and, and many had become believers, and many had been baptized, is the Holy Spirit tells um, Philip, it's like, okay, go to Jerusalem and then head down towards Gaza. And he does that, and as he's heading down towards Gaza, he, he runs into this the Ethiopian eunuch. And he was a, a, um, an official in, in Ethiopia, and he was on his chariot, and he was reading in Isaiah, I believe. And, and Philip comes running alongside his chariot, and, and Philip says, or actually the Ethiopian says to him, hey, I'm reading this, but I don't even understand what it means, and Philip tells him. He's like, hey, this is all about Jesus, and then he opens up the scriptures and tells them all about Jesus, and, and that, that little story, you can read it at the end of chapter eight there, but that's awesome, right? What, isn't that what we all want, where, where somebody's, some, somebody for some reason is reading a Bible, and they're like, I don't even get this. Like, what is this all about? And we're like, let me tell you what this is all about because it's an awesome story. And then we tell them all about Jesus. And then once, uh, once, um, obviously the Holy Spirit's working through Philip because the Ethiopian eunuch he's like, "All right, well look, there's a there's a pond beside my my uh, chariot here. Why don't I get baptized right now?" And Philip's like, "All right, let's do this." So they they baptize him right, and it's that that picture of of the transformation that happened in his heart, that death and, and resurrection that occurred in in um, the Ethiopian's life. And then the Ethiopian, he, he heads home. It seems that uh, Philip is, it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit funny language. It seems like almost he was teleported to another place and, and he keeps proclaiming Jesus there. The Ethiopian heads back home to Ethiopia, which if you were to look at a, a modern day map, it, uh, Ethiopia extends up to um, the, uh, the southern border of, of Egypt, where Sudan is now. So, so he went quite a bit, uh, um, quite a bit south, and this is, this is important because we can see how the church is expanding, right? So already it's going way down south, and in a second we're going to see uh, Saul going up to Damascus, which is, is way up north of, of Jerusalem. Um. Mm. Okay, so all that happens. That's uh, Philip and the Ethiopian. And then we get to end of chapter 8, and... Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, at the end of chapter, at the end of chapter 8, I love verse 40, but Philip found himself at Azotus, like he just found himself there. How did this even happen, right? Uh, which wasn't too far away from uh, where, he'd, where he'd been telling the um, Ethiopian about Jesus. Anyway, he finds himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And then, so we had that, it was, it was sort of like that was a little um, bracket there, and now we're coming back to the story of Saul. All right? So we get to chapter 9, and it's like, okay, now back to that story that we started at the beginning of chapter 8, back to the story of, of Saul and what, what happened with him. And in your Bible, some of the, 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 our, our translators and editors sometimes add um, headings, and so it, in my Bible, at the top of chapter 9 there, it says it's called the conversion of Saul because this is the story of where Saul became a Christian. And, and we know Saul as Paul, as the one that proclaimed Jesus throughout... The known world, and and uh, yeah, and 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 through Paul we saw God do many things. So we get to chapter nine. <clears throat> okay, so but Saul, back to Saul, right? Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, right? So the priests had this authority that they could give these letters that Saul could go up to um, different churches and, and actually drag them back down to, to prison. Uh, verse three, now as he went on his way, as Saul went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone all around him, right? And, and it talks about this light being bright and we know from, um, where is it? From, uh, from Acts 22, um, in Acts 22, Paul's telling again, he's, he's recounting, his conversion story, and in Acts 22 it tells us it was the middle of the day, it was noon. And so this bright light shone around us, and it's not like it was the middle of the night and this bright light shone, it was the middle of the day, and this bright light was even brighter. So super bright, super awesome. Um, verse 4, And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and friends, let me tell you, when I was, when I was reading this recently, a couple weeks ago, um, I had one of those Bibles, you know those Bibles that have the, the, the words of Jesus in red? And so I was reading through this, and we expect to see the the words of Jesus in in red in in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, of course, I got here, and here's the words of Jesus, and they were in red. And it's like, it's just that that reminder that, yeah, this is the same same Jesus that that we saw in in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are his words, and they're in red because this is Jesus speaking here. So Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, "I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do." Ah, oh, this is this is. Uh, <coughs> there's there's a lot in these couple of verses here, friend. And what we're going to do today, we're gonna we're gonna read right through chapter nine to, uh, um, right to the end of, of, verse nineteen. So that's where we're going today, and and uh, we'll pause along the way so I can you some awesome stuff that, well, some stuff that I was excited about as, as I was reading this. So, so we stop here for a second. Um, Saul said, who are you, Lord? Right? And it's like, here's this guy that thinks he's zealous. He's, he's eager. He's, he's enthusiastic about serving God, the God that he thinks he knows. And then God appears to him and he's like, Who are you lord and and jesus answers he says i am jesus right and it's significant that he says i am jesus rather than i am the christ or or something else because saul he already thinks he's following the christ he's waiting for the christ he's waiting for the messiah to come and jesus he's heard of he's heard the stories he's persecuting jesus followers but as far as saul's concerned these aren't these aren't god's followers these guys follow jesus and jesus isn't lord jesus isn't the messiah and so Saul asks, who are you, Lord? Who is Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, because Jesus is Lord. And then uh, Jesus carries on, continues speaking, and he says, um, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, right? And, and friends, this too is, is beautiful because we know that, that Saul had been persecuting the Christians and we know it seems that Saul had never met Jesus face to face and yet here Jesus says, hey, it's me that you're persecuting, right? By persecuting my people, it's me that you're persecuting. And of course, that's not a, a new idea in the Bible. Um, Matthew chapter 25, let me read, uh, let me read this section. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 to 46. And, and Matthew chapter 25, it's all red letters. It's all Jesus speaking. And so here's something that Jesus has to say while he was, while he was involved in his um, earthly ministry, as we call it. Um, he said this. Then also, then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so, friends, of course, the question it, back in, in Acts and here, that, that we wanna be asking ourselves is, who are we rejecting? Who are we rejecting, right? When, when, when we do look down on somebody, or when we think, whatever it is, right? Whatever, whatever excuses we come up with, and, and we all do this, I do this as well, whatever excuses we come up with for, for not feeding someone, not clothing someone, not caring for someone, um, who is it really that we're rejecting? Who is it that we're not feeding, not clothing, not, caring for is it jesus um, it might be and and here in in back in acts we know that this this um, jesus talking about this persecution right about the about saul persecuting these christians we know that this was this was a whole different level right from uh what is it from acts chapter 26 um another time where where saul is is talking about um, Acts chapter 26, verse 10, Saul is, talking, is, is telling this story again, telling his conversion story again, telling how Jesus appeared to him. And in that case, he talks about how the Christians were being put to death, right? So this, this persecution that the church was undergoing, right, it, was, it was even unto death. So it was more significant than, than the ways we might be persecuting or the ways that we might receive persecution. But still, there's, a, there's a, an, an identification that we need to see here that when, when we're rejecting someone or persecuting someone, we got to ask ourselves if we're persecuting Jesus, and then, of course, on the other side of that is that if if uh, um, or I guess the other side of that is that I know I know that that so many of you do care for the hungry, right? Do clothe the naked. I I I I'm, I, I take joy in hearing those kind of stories, and and so. So, well done because, because this, is a, this is a motivation not so much to, to um, hey, don't be bad, but hey, a motivation to do these things and to continue doing these things. And so when we, when we are caring for people that are sick, it's like if you're, if you're feeling exhausted with that or if you're feeling like, what's the point? Just remember that oh, you're, caring for, you're caring for Jesus and it's Jesus that you're loving and it's Jesus that you're clothing. And then, again, another side of this, right? Is that as God's people, as, as Jesus' people, as followers of Jesus, when, when we're persecuted, and again, in our, in our time and place, we're not persecuted unto death. Maybe, maybe someday that will come. But there is, we are in, in Canadian society, we are kind of getting to the place where there is some hostility towards Christians. And if you are in a place where you're feeling discouraged by that, or where you're feeling like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be bold because I know I'm just going to be persecuted for that. Remember that they're not persecuting you. They're persecuting Jesus. Right? And, and and have have boldness, because if that's what Jesus is calling you to, then he's, he's bearing that persecution. So it's not you that they're persecuting, they're persecuting the one that you serve. <clears throat> and then carrying on in, in Acts chapter 9, in verse 6, um, Jesus tells tells Saul, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. And this, this, uh, um, this vision or this appearance of, of Jesus, it's like so, <laughs> like you can just imagine Saul, here, this bright light and Jesus, he's, and, and Saul's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then there's no time for chit chat. It's like, bam, all right, here's what I want you to do, Saul, right? And it's pretty boom, 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 right? Just go. And and one of the things that, that I think is, or one of the things that is, is key about this is, is, is we look at this, or we, we look at our own lives, and we're like, hey, I've made some bad choices, right? I've done some things, and therefore, God can't use me. God can't use a guy like me. But we know that Saul, he was involved in, in the persecution unto death of Christians. And yet, God had things for him to do. He had work for him to do. He had an assignment for him. And so... In verse six, it's like, "Go, <clears throat> rise, and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do." And then, and then also, we know that when when we are when we are told to go, and here in Saul's story, it's it's go, and, and this is part of his conversion story. But whatever whatever it is that God is calling us to or or sending us to, we're reminded in Saul's story that that. God working through us doesn't mean that we're awesome or we've arrived, right? God working through us reminds us that he is awesome. And that's what's going on here. God is awesome. Jesus is awesome. He's working through Saul, doing mighty things, not because Saul is awesome, but because Jesus is awesome. <coughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> So let's carry on, verse uh, verse seven. Um, The men who were with him, right? So so, uh, Saul would have had an entourage with him because they were going up to Damascus and they were going to um, arrest a bunch of people and he would need some help to bring these people back. So this entourage that was with him, um, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And and look at this. Look at how how, uh, Ananias' response to Jesus is different, right? Ananias knows who's talking to him. And and for for Saul, uh, he's like, Who are you, Lord? For Ananias, it's like, here I am, Lord, and isn't that what we want our response to be when, when Jesus calls us? It's like, here I am, Lord. What is it? What do you what What do you have for me? What what How can I how can I serve you? So, Anna and I said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And that uh, that street's called Straight. You can you can still go there. I mean, it's in modern day Syria, so you probably wouldn't want to go there. Today, but that street called Straight exists in Damascus, and, and they they say that hey, this is the this is the house where um, Judas lived, and and so it's like uh, these are these are real places um, that that really exist, <clears throat> and so you compare um, you compare uh, Ananias' story with Saul's story of Jesus appearing to him, and there's a few there's a few other things to notice here. <clears throat> um, oops well let me actually let me read first verses uh 10 and 10 and 12 10 to 12 um oh yeah verse. sorry let me skip to verse 12 all right you with me we're at verse 12 okay and so this is uh jesus still p- speaking to ananias i uh, talking about saul and he tells saul or sorry, he tells Ananias that Saul has seen a vision, in a vision, a man named Ananias, that's you, Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So that he might regain his sight. And friends, this, let me pause here for a second, because this, I hope you'll get as excited about this as I was. Uh, so this, he might regain his sight, was one word, is one word in Greek. It's uh, anablipo. And, and there's a couple of cool things about it, the way that it's used here. Um regain his sight. The first one is that in, in Greek, I think they have it in English as well, but I, I, I couldn't remember learning that in this in, in uh, high school English or wherever we were supposed to, but but in, in Greek they have different moods for their words. And it, the mood of the word, and it's like a, it's like a tense except it tells um, how certain this word is, right? Whether it, this might happen, or this has happened, or if it's conditional. And and so that's the mood of the word. And the mood for this word here, anablipo, um, he might regain his sight, Is it's in, the, it's in the subjunctive mood. And the subjunctive mood means this is something that might happen. It's not going to happen for sure. If it's going to happen for sure, it's in the indicative mood. And that means, hey, this is something that has happened or will happen or, or, or is happening. But this is the subjunctive mood. And so that's like, this might happen, but it might not happen. And and if you, if you uh, scroll down to uh, verse 18 where the same word is used, um, it's actually in the indicative mood because, because in verse 18, that's where it actually is happening. right? That's where, where Saul is receiving his sight. But here, it's like, we don't know. It might happen or it might not happen. And you say, well, why is that? Cool, because, because you look at this whole story and, and here Jesus appeared to Ananias so that he could send Ananias to Saul to lay hands on him so that he would receive his sight. right? And, and, I mean, Jesus could have just appeared to Saul again. Like, why didn't Jesus just show up and just lay hands on him and like, hey, Saul, you were blind, but now I'm laying hands on you again. Here I am, and now you can see, right? He could have, he could have done that. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. But he didn't. He decided he wanted to do this through Ananias. And the fact that it's in this subjunctive mood that this may happen, it's almost like playing off the thing. Because God, there, there's times when, when we read prophecy and it's written in the present tense to say that hey this is absolutely going to happen and we know that god's sovereign and and whatever he wants to happen is going to happen but here it's like this god is is working through ananias to achieve the things that he wants to achieve because he wants he wants us to be a part of his plans right for everything that he does in this world he doesn't he doesn't um, need us but he wants us to be a part of his plans. and so here with ananias he he doesn't need ananias but he's saying, hey, Ananias, if you don't do this, then it might not even happen, right? It's like, it's like I'm depending on you. I'm choosing to depend on you. Not that Jesus is powerless, but he's choosing to do this through Ananias. He's calling us to be a part of the work that he's doing. <clears throat> and then another thing about this uh, Anablipo, right? That he might, in in uh, English, we translate it that he might receive his sight. Another thing, the word is uh, it's got there's, it's got three different meanings that, that it's three different ways it's used in the in the New Testament and in in literature of the time. Um, the first one is to to regain sight, right? And and I think when I read this, I think that our 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 translators, the translator of the ESV and it's similar in the uh, in the NIV, um, sometimes they're just they're so. Unimaginative, right? Because they're like, okay, Saul here to regain his sight, that's one of the that's one of the meanings, and therefore that's what Jesus must be saying. And so therefore we're gonna say to regain his sight, right? Because Saul he'd been he wasn't able to see, then he regained his sight, all of a sudden he is able to see, and so he's he's telling Ananias, Hey, go and Saul will regain his sight. But there's another meaning, a second meaning is to receive sight, right? If you've been blind your whole life and then you receive sight. You could use the same word, anablipo. It's like, hey, I've received sight. I've never been able to see before, but now, now I can see. But then there's a third, a third meaning. Anablipo is like, it's two words. Ana means up, and anablipo means to see. And so this word also means to look up to heaven. Like that's literally what it means, to look up to heaven, to see heaven. And um, Jesus used it that way in, uh, when he was feeding the 5,000. This is um, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, verse, just quickly, verse, uh, verse 19. Um, Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and a and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. Right? But, but here with, with Saul, the, the big story that's going to happen with Saul, it's not that, hey, you know what, the guy couldn't see, and then um, Ananias did this trick and laid his hands on him, and all of a sudden he could see again. No, 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 that's not, that's not what this story is all about. This story is about a man that was lost, that was persecuting God's people, that was persecuting Jesus, and all of a sudden, he could see up to heaven. His eyes were open. his heart was transformed, right? And this was, this was the story that Jesus was calling Ananias to be a part of. This was why he wanted Ananias to lay hands on Paul, Saul. Not so that, not so that he could just, not so that his eyes could see again, but so that his heart would be able to see so that his heart would be transformed the 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 literal meaning of anablipo, right but we just get so that he could see again so that he might see again and so so the point for us is hey you know what we we want to be we want to be a part of the bigger story and so often so often this does i believe that this does happen in our lives and and we just miss it because we're we're um, we're so focused on the literal, right? And maybe literal is not the right word. It's got some baggage. But, but the idea is that we're so focused on sort of the physical right in front of us, and we don't see that that, that, that physical thing that's going on right there, right? Saul, his eyes being opened, that that's, that's a reflection of something much, much greater, right? And so the examples um, of, where, of where we get to be a part of a bigger story um, an example is, is marriage, right? Where, where we know that, that marriage is, is a picture of Christ in the church. And we always start at the place where it's like, hey, marriage is the real thing. And Christ in the church is, is just, it just helps us to understand that. But I'd suggest to you that no, no, no. Christ in the church, that's the real thing. The relationship that we have with Jesus, that's what it's all about. And marriage, this is just, this is just a reflection of that awesome relationship that, that exists. Right? Or, or, or miraculous healings. When, when we're a part of laying hands on somebody and they're miraculously healed and we think that that's awesome, which it is, right? If, if when, whenever we lay hands on somebody and they're healed, it's like, praise God, like that's awesome. But even more awesome is how that is a picture of, of, the, of the salvation that, that we receive, of, of the healing that occurs from sin in our lives when, when we turn our lives over to um, Jesus. Or, or a third example, sort of from the, from the opposite side is uh, on baptism, right? Where, where, where baptism, we know that baptism is a, a reflection of something much greater, right? We know that when, we, when we're baptized, when we're dunked in the water, when we're brought up, it's like a reflection of, of our death and our resurrection into Christ, right? We've died to ourselves. We've been born again. And we know that, that baptism is just a, a reflection of that. But I don't think that we, we give baptism the same value as marriage, for example, right? Both these things are... reflections but one of them it's like we we think that oh marriage is the real thing with baptism we think oh the heart change is the real thing it's like no the real thing is what God's doing in our lives and these things we want to we want to live them out it's not that they're not important they're they're all super important and we want to live them out as a reflection of what they're truly pointing to so friends we want to we want to be a part of the bigger story but also we don't want to just because something that we do points to something bigger that doesn't mean that that thing that we do isn't important, right? You can't, you can't say, hey, I'm married, but my marriage is a reflection of Christ in the church, and therefore I can be unfaithful to my wife, right? Like, that just doesn't make sense. That's not, that, 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 the, the, the thing that is the reflection, the shadow, is important. It's not that that becomes less important. It's the thing that it points to is even more important, is even more glorious. <clears throat> okay, carrying on then um, in verse uh, in Verse 13. <clears throat> but Ananias answered, right, and so here's Ananias, and, and he's, he's asking, well, Lord, what, what, what's going on here? Um, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Uh, And before we get to verse 17, this is important for us, right? That we sometimes think following Jesus means, hey, no suffering. And certainly, Jesus promises, promises us abundant life. But that doesn't mean that just because there's some suffering going on in our life, that doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong or that we're not being obedient. In fact, in this case, Saul's obedience, but Jesus... Told Ananias, say hey, Saul's obedience is going to result in suffering. <clears throat> for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight. Anablipo. And there it's like, it's, uh, or actually, this, this is still, that you may regain your sight. Because he hasn't done it quite yet. He's just telling all what's going to happen. That you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Let me finish up with a few comments about, uh, about these last few verses, verses 18 and 19. Because these ones, it's like, there's, there's, in verses 18 and 19, there's like, there's a lot there. It's, it, this, th- you could spend a lot of time studying this and you'd be, you'd be blessed if you if you spend a lot of time in this chapter. But let me talk about verses 18 and 19 for a couple of minutes. <clears throat> so we can see, I talked about how hey, you know what, so often um, the, the the physical, if you will, is a pointer to something, something greater. And this is certainly the case in verses 18 and 19, right? Here, Ananias has just laid hands on, on Saul. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, right? And this is the place where it says, and he regained his sight. And this is where it actually happened. This is in the indicative mood. He regained his sight. Or, more literally, he looked up to heaven, right? Because this isn't, this, the, the, as awesome as it is that Saul all of a sudden could see, the real story is that Saul's eyes were open. He was a believer now. He had seen Jesus. He was, he was saved. <clears throat> then he rose, right? The, just the pictures here, it's like there's this picture of, of rising from death. It's not, it's, not just, uh, it's not just, oh, Saul was chilling there and the author wants us to know that then he stood up. It's like, no, Saul rose to new life. His old life is over. He's starting a new life, a new life that... that takes him into eternity with Jesus. He rose and was baptized, right? And here's, again, we know, we know what the picture of baptism means. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't explicitly tell us, but here we know that Saul's heart was transformed, that he had died to his old self, he had risen again, a believer, a follower of Christ, a disciple. And then verse 19, and taking food, he was strengthened. And again, this is another one where it's like, oh, the guy was probably hungry, he hadn't eaten for, what was it, three days? And so he needed a little snack, right? It's like, no, no, no. This is about the bread of life, right? I, like literally, he would, have, he would have been hungry for physical food, and liter- literally, he would have eaten some, some literal food, right? But ultimately, this is pointing to the bread of life, that Saul was fed the bread of life, and he was strengthened. And, and one of the things that... that one of the things that I think is awesome about this is we we think about these pictures right about how here's this picture of Saul being fed and being strengthened and and if we if we think about uh, um, What we think about what it looks like when we when we gather together for for a good meal right and just how there's there's friends around there's family around and 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 we're, we're eating together and we're laughing together and we're t- partaking together right and this fact that that being fed, eating together is a picture of, of us partaking in, in the bread of life. reminds us, it gives us a picture of what that also is supposed to be about, right? That we do this in community, that we, we partake in the bread of life together, that we're brothers and sisters and we're gathered together to, to have a feast because this is the only way that we'll be strengthened. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that... that uh, that you would continue to open this passage to us. And Lord, that, um, that as, we, as we continue in each of our lives, that we would recognize the different ways that you're at work, that we would be able to, to see past the, the awesome thing that you're doing and see the even more awesome thing that that is a reflection of, Lord. And so, um, Lord, please continue to work in each of our lives. And, and uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.